0: Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stunstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quick, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Discimera, Jenny E., Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, and Kayla Jackson. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated.
1: Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover.
0: Welcome to the podcast where we dangerously diddle donkeys dangling decisively donning dungarees. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host Chris Copleen, with, as always, your host, Shane. Hydroplating Dick Dragon!
1: man that dragon just be sliding all over the track don't you know slip slide astroglide that's right don't don't do it on your front lawn it's very dangerous and it's probably not a good idea a lot of us did it before there there are rocks and things just slip and slides are not a good idea that's what i'm saying
0: you could also probably be put on a list
1: i mean (laughs) yeah yeah probably also, uh, you just, you you know, you really have a knack for just painting, a, you know, a, an image with your alliterations. She's got this jeans wearing donkey just dangling off somewhere and something about diddling. I don't know. I'm very confused. I don't think that will get you put on a list, but maybe it should. I, it should, yes, if it doesn't. If it doesn't. <laughs>
0: Okay, and welcome to Retro Hangover, where we are going to be talking about uh, Diddy Kong Racing, which uh, we are not diddling.
1: (laughs) Great. There's the subtitle. Diddle Diddle Kong Racing. No, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Not for this game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's just like... We're going to launch this rocket right that, up your that's, ass. That's bro. the non-canonical <laughs> Kong of the part of the family. That's the uncle they don't talk about. Uh, just diddle Kong.
0: He's what makes cranky Kong cranky because he's in prison. He's tired of bailing <laughs> him out.
1: Uh, he's not invited to Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> Mostly because what he did the turkey. <laughs> but before we get to Diddy Kong. Let's talk about what uh, the th- <laughs> I can't even do this.
1: <laughs> we always managed to find a way to just completely ruin everything in the first like five minutes.
0: Yeah. Well, look, if anyone who's still here after some of my admittedly nuclear takes last week, mm. which oof. first of all, thank you. Second of all, you're welcome. And we are going to do what we normally do when we get into these episodes and talk about what we have been playing lately. So, Shane.
1: Yeah. What have you been up to? Uh not a whole hell of a lot, let me tell you. Oh. I was struggling to f- think about like what I've even been playing the past couple of weeks and I'm not sure that I could tell you. It's really been a lot of nothing outside of just like stuff for the show. Although um I did do you know, an impromptu brutal doom stream recently. So that was fun. That was fun. The urge just kind of strikes me every now and again to, to fire up doom and just play through. And, you know, I gotta be honest at this point, like I love me some doom, but that brutal doom mod is to me, that's like the definitive way to play doom. Now it, it adds just so much to the game that I kind of don't want to ever go back and play just vanilla doom because it's such a better experience. Um, so if, if you like Doom and you haven't tried Brutal Doom, I highly suggest going and downloading that. It's really easy to set up and it is so much fun. I think I might do another one of those pretty soon, actually. I, I realized, by the way, that I was playing on Ultra Violence difficulty and I made it through the entire first episode on stream with zero deaths. So now I kind of feel like... I need to keep that streak going and see if maybe I can just beat the entirety of doom on ultra violence with, with zero deaths. See if I could pull that off. You're a pro dude. <laughs> I've just, I've played it a lot, that, that's, that's really all it is. But yeah, man, that's, that's honestly, that's kind of it. Just give random doom. And and I think that's it. And then just some like really light mobile gaming. I want to continue my elden run ring or uh yep elden run ring that's the one (laughs) that you know what keep that in we're doing it live it's the elden yep the elden run ring anyway elden ring run uh because i'd like to actually finish that game at some point but uh haven't really had a chance to sit down and just like dive back into that so maybe soon but uh that's kind of it i don't know what about you you got anything interesting going on The review crew
0: that Mm. we have in our Discord, that's run by our community manager, Ozzy, has nominated the game and was elected and decided upon by our noble Discord attendees, members of our community. Fantastic, fantastic denizens. They decided to choose Disco Elysium, which is why I'm being so long-winded and find it difficult to get to the point. (laughs) Because I feel like that is appropriate. Mm. This is a game I thought. I don't know. I've been avoiding it because I thought it wasn't necessarily my type of game, but like deep down inside, I was like, probably if I play this game, I'm going to love it. The deep down inside part of me can die (laughs) because I, I think my initial instincts are right. I still have a long way to go. I am not making a final decision, but oh boy, the hype surrounding this game, I think, is the the greatest betrayal it could suffer because every going into this game, all I've heard about Disco Elysium is like how this is some life changing experience Mm. that's better than sex and drugs while having sex with drugs. Oh, and yeah, it's supposed to be that amazing. And I'm just not feeling that. Like, I can tell it's a game I probably would have told everyone was amazing in my early 20s. But it, I just don't have that same feeling towards games anymore. It's like, you gotta give me something more than... I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I, I think I'm going to try and put it together when I review this. Because I don't I don't want to say too much about what I think right now I've put it all in the discord about kind of where I feel about it right now, but it's not final. So I don't want to put it out here, but it's just it's not gelling with me. Wasn't this like game of the year, at the game awards two years ago or something, or was it just like best story? I, I can't remember.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly don't remember, but I do. I do recall it getting a lot of, of accolades and critical acclaim and, and all of that business. But I don't know. I felt, similarly to you in that for some reason i can't put my finger on it but it just never seemed like something that i was going to be super interested in um i don't know why but it, from everything i've been hearing about our review crew so far this month i think maybe i'm glad that i stayed away Oof! i'm just trying to get it
0: i'm trying to get it done so i can nominate doki doki literature club
1: oh hell yeah month. i'd be I- in on that I mean, unfortunately, the twist is kind of spoiled for me, but
0: it has not been spoiled for me. Please don't say anything. I heard there's a twist, but I don't I don't know anything about it. I'm trying to stay far, far, far away. Oh, OK. Yeah. Please don't let me know. I heard it's short, too. You should you should stream that then. Oh, OK. I'll need to hit up the switch because that's what I have it for. I have it for the switch. Might do that. So stay tuned. If you want me to play Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, then head over to our discord. And you can find our Discord link at linktr.ee slash Hangover. There's an early plug, everybody. Hey. Gotta love it. There you go. Hey. Speaking about our plug, something we are want to do, Shane, Mm. is. How does this
1: involve plugs?
0: I don't know, because I'm maybe my hair is receding. Mm. I don't think it is. But speaking about nothing, that is a terrible (laughs) segue. Great. We do a brief history of our game before we start talking about it. Mm. And once again, this game is diddle. Diddy Kong Racing.
1: <laughs> Please tell me you did that on purpose. <laughs> I did.
0: <laughs> For the Nintendo 64, but you will never know if I'm telling the truth or not. See, mm. you should be playing Disco Elysium. Oh god. So, Shane mm. is going to give us the great pleasure in his sultry sexy voice. That's probably not with <laughs> our previous conversations probably not the best way to introduce it, but <laughs> a brief history of Diddy Kong Racing.
1: the term kart racer, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's Mario Kart, isn't it? And why shouldn't it be? Sporting one of the most iconic mascots in the world and gameplay considered by many to be the best in the business more than earns that level of recognizability. This type of cultural permeation comes with time, however. Back in the mid-90s, the relatively fresh kart racing genre had not yet settled on a de facto king. The runaway success of Super Mario Kart and its eventual follow-up Mario Kart 64 was a catalyst for others in the industry to make their own attempts at this winning formula. One such competitor, which would come to be regarded by many as superior to the plucky plumber's performance, was Rare's Diddy Kong Racing. By 1996, Rare had secured their place as Nintendo's go-to second-party developer and, as a result, amongst the gaming industry elite. After wrapping up development of Killer Instinct 2 for arcades, Rare would split their dev team in two. One half tasked with porting KI2 to the N64 as Killer Instinct Gold, and the other beginning work on a real-time strategy game involving a caveman and time travel. This would soon change into an adventure game influenced by Walt Disney World, with a working title of Wild Cartoon Kingdom. But then, in June of 97, the team pivoted once again, scrapping all previous ideas in favor of a follow-up of sorts to Rare's critically acclaimed NES racing game, RC Pro-Am. Development on Pro-Am 64 chugged along as normal, until it became evident that one of Rare's major efforts, Banjo-Kazooie, would not be getting a holiday 1997 release as scheduled. With a glaring, cavernous holiday release slot staring them in the face, Rare scrambled to fill that void as soon as possible. With Pro-Am well into development, it seemed like the obvious choice. There was, however, one small problem. Rare realized that the Pro-Am branding would likely not be recognizable enough to push the kind of units expected for a major holiday release. As Donkey Kong Country was still massively popular, with its third installment coming out on the SNES just one year prior, Rare decided to re-theme their racer around the world of Donkey Kong, with Diddy Kong as the star. With a team of just 14 people, Rare pulled off a quick turnaround while also leveraging the rebrand as an opportunity to include characters from some of their upcoming titles like Banjo the Bear and Conquer the Squirrel. As the end of 1997 drew near, more and more of the N64's expected holiday lineup was getting pushed into the next year. While disappointing for many gamers, Rare found themselves in an unexpectedly fortuitous position. Suddenly, their last-minute, reskinned stand-in for their intended flagship title became THE Nintendo holiday release garnering a massive $200 million advertising budget. That marketing blitz, coupled with the serendipitous circumstances, meant that when Diddy Kong Racing hit shelves in the final weeks of November, it would sell what mathematicians refer to as a metric butt-ton of copies. Worldwide, DKR would see a total of 4.5 million sales, an almost 7-to-1 ratio for every N64 console sold during its lifetime. Critics would love it as well, with most pointing to the game's visuals, and some even saying it was a better overall product than the previous year's Mario Kart 64. While there was a sequel in production for the GameCube featuring Donkey Kong, that project would eventually get scrapped as a result of Rare being purchased by Microsoft in 2002. One game did come to fruition, however, as Banjo Pilot for the Game Boy Advance, where, as the title might suggest, planes are the sole vehicular option as opposed to the three selectable types in DKR. There was also a remake for the Nintendo DS in 2007, but it was not as warmly received as the original. In the years since, the court of public opinion has largely swayed in favor of Mario Kart as the definitive kart racer, with Diddy Kong's outing being left in the proverbial dust. With Mario clearly claiming the modern-day karting crown and Diddy himself even joining the roster, it's doubtful we will ever see a return to the series. But for fans of the original, there will always be the memories of that winter in 1997 to keep them warm. And that is your brief history of Diddy Kong Racing.
0: Thank you, Shane, for that brief history. You know what? I was there in 1997, and I I, I don't remember Diddy Kong Racing like being all by itself. I think it's just because Final Fantasy VII had just kind of taken the world by storm, and I didn't really pay attention to those kind of things.
1: Yeah, I I suppose that's probably true. I mean, I was there also, but I really don't recall like any of that. So, (laughs) I I don't know. I guess I must have just missed it
0: you know what the other two titles that Nintendo published for that holiday season were mm. Bomberman 64 and mischief makers. Oof! that's all they had for their holiday lineup. That's and by the way, <laughs> I like both those games, but no one talks about those games.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, in terms of like holiday releases, that is, uh, that is, that is a big, that's a big oof.
0: Yeah. Oh, and neither of those were made by Nintendo.
1: Yeah. True. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's that's yeah. That's so weird. I don't know. Like how you just totally miss an entire like release window like that. But you know what's funny is that you have to think about it. Then, like, what would have happened, right? Like if Nintendo had had some like super strong like holiday lineup or even just one flagship title like to really like push sales. Do you think Diddy Kong would have done nearly as well as it did? No, yeah, uh,
0: I think because like the title I'm thinking of has to be Ocarina of Time, right? Mm-hmm. I think that has to be that game. Yeah, I would need to go back and look. And so everyone is like, it was not Ocarina, man. There was I, I get it. I'm, OK, I'm just going off the top of my head here. I'm not even looking at the Internet. <laughs> but if a, a game it was pushed beyond the holiday release schedule and I'm Nintendo and I'm looking at Sony and I'm seeing Final Fantasy seven is coming out on the PlayStation 1997 and I want an effective counterpunch. It's definitely Zelda. Ocarina of Time. Oh yeah. And if that had landed in holiday of 1997, I'm not saying like PlayStation still wouldn't have won, but I I think the console wars would have been much different because that's a pretty big blow, sure. Especially in Japan. Like I don't think Japan. I looked at the sales number for Japan. It was under a million. So like they didn't care about Diddy Kong Racing. They don't really care about Zelda either, to be honest. We all heard what I think about Zelda. I'm more with them. Mm, But yeah, yeah. Sorry. But like Diddy Kong, I really think about that. Like, what if it had another major release alongside it? Would we still be talking about it or would it just be Mario 64?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're talking about it, but also it, it's not as we kind of alluded to in the brief history, it's not typically part of the discussion. No, you're right. The thing is, is like nothing else really is like even the only thing that comes to mind for me that's even close is like Sonic Team Racing. Yeah. And like that was way later. And even then, I I don't hear anybody really talk about that. Like if you say kart racing, the only thing anybody thinks of is Mario because they've pretty much cornered that market. Well, Crash Team Racing. OK, sure. But I mean, yeah. a, a, again, those things don't generally come up, you know, and it's like Mario yeah. Kart has done such a good job of nailing that genre that it's like nothing else even enters the conversation.
0: Yeah, I think this game, because it looks like it was going to be RC Pro-Am 64. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been really cool, actually. But then I saw the plans for it and I was like, that probably would not be cool <laughs> because it was supposed to include all the characters except for the the Donkey Kong related ones. Right. And yeah, we'll get into that in the story for a minute. But yeah, it's, it's wild to think how history would have happened if all those other games came out. And this was Pro-Am 64 and what that would have meant. Like, who knows, man? I think it would have been a cult classic, I, I think. But we'll get to that, too. And how I feel about when this wraps up. But interesting how everything that developed for Rare, which was already on like a massive roll at that moment. It's just like, yeah, you can just have our holiday release. Have fun. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like well
1: we got fuck all else so just do do something with it
0: we got this in hydro thunder or something Ooh. oh hydro thunder is later i don't know i don't know what came out in 97 for the n64 i doubt people who own n64 remember what came out in holiday of 97 for n64 outside of this
1: game yeah so speaking of that uh i feel like yeah. we've kind of already touched on it but what right what what is your personal experience with this game is it like anything at all <laughs>
0: No, yeah, I mean, I had this game when it came out. Oh, okay. uh, I don't know if I got it for Christmas or if I got it a couple of months later. I, I don't remember exactly when I got it, but I remember this game was a big deal. Mm. Like $200 million advertising budget. I know when I got, I got Final Fantasy 7 when it, when it came out, like initially, I think I got with lawn mowing money, everything else, 97, like what else was there in 97? Like off the top of my head, I can't remember. I just know Final Fantasy 7 was that game that year. Like I was waiting for Saga Frontier and Final Fantasy Tactics, which I think came out the year after. And of course, Bushido Blade, because I was on those demo discs with Final Fantasy 7. So that Christmas, it was like, yeah, I have an N64. There's like two games for it. And Diddy Kong Racing is going to be like my third, man. And uh, yeah, uh, I remember putting not a lot of time into it, like in, in terms of the single player mode. But I remember playing this two player or three player or four player quite a bit with my friends Mm. like that was the kind of game it became just for the racing of it but i don't i don't think we played it nearly as much as mario kart 64 and i had a hard time remembering until i started playing it today why that might be but i do have memories of it i do have rather fond memories of it but i don't have super fond memories of it like oh yeah i remember all these courses and everything like and i and i know why after playing it like there's There's some real legitimate reasons why I dropped this before beating it, even though it takes like five, six hours to beat. But yeah, this was a game I did play when it came out and I, I was attached to it and my friends played it. It was, it was there for me. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, I never played this game. Also for the record, I just did a quick look so that we sound like we know what the fuck we're talking about. But, uh, so 1997, according to the internet, uh also saw Star Fox sixty-four, Goldeneye. Yeah, those
0: early in ninety seven. Okay. Yeah, that, that was a big year. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Castlevania Symphony <laughs> of the Night.
0: I was definitely no, that was I played that in ninety eight. But yeah, I got to that late. So
1: yeah, oh, also Turok, uh, Dark Forces. I got that for Christmas. But yeah, so there there were there were a few. But I mean to be I fair I sound like an idiot then.
0: I just don't remember the specific year. OK, I just
1: said Final <laughs> Fantasy 7 was everything. Well, that's what I was about to say is that I think FF7 yeah. overshadowed a lot of other things. Yes.
0: Like Star Fox 64 is like in February, too. That came out like early in that year, I think. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like by the end of 97, it was Diddy Kong Racing. That's all that mattered.
1: <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> At any rate. Yeah, I, I didn't really have much experience with this one. Like I had an N64, but I never owned this game. I still I still don't. And as far as I recall, I don't think I knew anybody that had it either, because if we were playing N64 in, like let's say, the years between 97 and 99-ish, we were playing probably almost exclusively Mario Kart or Goldeneye, or I want to say mario party but i don't remember when that came out so that might be that might have been later but anyway
0: diablo came out in 97 i know that
1: well yeah yeah yeah. but well no we've had that discussion it's 96 but that's fine um so same thing but no I, I meant specifically the n64 okay okay yeah yeah um it was predominantly i mean to be fair is it, it was like 80 percent golden eye because we played that game a fucking lot yeah no diddy kong racing never really entered the conversation You know, I guess for better or worse, but uh, I I did play it on stream for the show, like actually a couple of years ago now, I think just kind of randomly. Yeah, I remember having an okay time and then I went back and played it again for the show today and uh, I had an okay time.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we're going to hear about that more in the gameplay. Yes, you are. Yes. But before we get to that story, we're going to be talking about this games story, Mm. which uh, is a story. I say so. What's
1: <laughs> what is that, Chris? Hello, tell us what the story is. Jeez. Okay,
0: so this all has to be gotten from the manual because the game itself does not does not tell you fuck all. Mm. Just so, just in case you were wondering. So, Timber the Tiger. Hmm. Because I don't play as him, so I don't know his name. I don't think anyone did. Uh, his parents left on vacation and put him in charge, and. All of a sudden, a giant pig shows up and takes over the island and says, come beat me, bruh. And Timber's like, uh, I can't do that. So I'm going to go contact my boy Diddy. And Diddy's like, hey, man, I got a, a, a foul mouth squirrel and a bear, but he has to leave his bird behind and we can bring him in. And he's like, cool, uh, let's go fight the pig. And the pig's like, well, I'm going to take over the four guardians of your island which are a triceratops, a walrus, a what, uh, uh, an, octopus. an octopus, and a dragon. Yeah, I was about to say the dragon before the octopus. I had to get in order. And you got to race us. And if you beat us, you get to take it all back over. And he's like, "Game on!" And this is not explained. Oh, uh, apparently uh, a racer tried challenging the, the giant pig whose name is Whiz Pig, and his name was, uh, well, he's a rooster. I can't remember. Yeah, drumstick the rooster. Drumstick the cock.
1: Yep, that's right. He turns the cock into a into a toad. Hmm. Yes. As you do. As you do. I want to point out that it, it is not just, just some random pig named Whiz Pig. He is a intergalactic pig wizard. Oh. Thank you very much. Yeah. Toad does look like a cock thank you <laughs> oh god that's terrible anyway so yeah that's the story of this racing game that definitely makes sense and was not just there to be a very flimsy reason to have a bunch of anthropomorphic animals racing around an island so there you go it's horrible it's bad that's, that's it's what not it good is. should we talk at all about Taj the the elephant genie with the questionable accent
0: I'm sure someone's going to say he's problematic. Okay. I'm sure he is. I know he's a pain in the ass to run into. Yes. In order to change my vehicle. He is. F- fucking Taj. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's. I don't. I don't know why he has to be of Indian descent that no one else is. But okay. That's fine. <laughs> I, I don't know. These are Brits that are making this game. It makes sense, I guess, for 1997.
1: I mean, actually, in a weird way, like. That- guess that kind of does but I'm
0: just surprised they're not serving diddy tikka masala or something
1: no we certainly don't want diddy fish and chips that's for sure
0: no diddle in those fish (laughs) don't want it
1: (laughs) so i i mean i guess suffice to say there's not really too much else to talk about that's no that's it that's that's the plot
0: well it's just it's awful it's awful if you want to get into the writing because this this does coincide with the writing it's fucking shit it's awful like, what, what's going on? Okay, granted, we've talked about this multiple times in the past. If you have the mem- manual and you read what's understand, you know, everything like that. Okay, fine. You read the manual. You know what's going on. I didn't read the manual when I was a kid. I still didn't know what's going on. I didn't understand why I was racing a Triceratops that you got ran into after doing four races. Like, well done, kid. Now you got to beat me in a race. Like, why? What's going on? And then why would I beat you? I have to go do your stupid coin challenge. Bastard! Like I don't understand because
1: that. That is how property rights are determined in space. In in pig space. I guess
0: So it's just it's so jarring. What are you trying to accomplish? Like even in Mario, I think I think more like Mario sixty four because obviously this game had to have taken inspiration from Mario sixty four. There's no way you can tell me it didn't. Mm. So like even in there, you know, in the beginning, in the very beginning of Mario sixty four, you get a letter from Peach saying. Hey, I'm kidnapped. Come save me. You know what you get at the beginning of, like, Diddy Kong Racing? Hodge comes down on a flying carpet, because of course he does, (laughs) and he says, Hi, I'm here to help, except in a much more offensive accent. And if you need any help, just let me know. And you know what? That's it. And then you just go driving around the island looking for shit to do. Yep. Nothing about how there's a giant intergalactic wizard pig. Nothing. You see his face and you're like, okay, I, I I guess I got stuff to do. It's bad. The plot is bad. I know that's not the point. I'm staying way too long on it, but I it's don't,
1: shit. I, I don't know who I am. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. All I know is that I must race.
0: <laughs> yeah. am reluctantly crouched at the starting line.
1: Yep. <sighs> that That's your plot of Diddy Kong racing. There you go. Intergalactic big wizards sucks. and teenage, presumably teenaged tigers. Being left in sole charge of an entire island, which seems strange. (laughs) And then he, of course, immediately goes like full fucking Tokyo drift and decides that the first thing he wants to do is race around the island while his friends, while his parents are gone. And honestly, I think I blame him for all of this. I think this is Timber's fault.
0: It's his fault. This is why Timber doesn't get a follow up game. This is why they took Star Fox Adventures from him. There you go. It's his fault. You ruined it all the way. He ruined it. He let Diddy. He let Diddy take over and dominate
1: him. Do, do we even know how? how did? How how did, how did anyone get to this island? Capitalism. Did it? What? <laughs> no, like, like, how, how did Diddy Kong even get there? That's what I want to know. Like, did he just call him up? Like, what? What? How? What happened?
0: Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It just says he asked. He asked his friend Diddy Kong for help. Because it was the holiday season, if he didn't get them, more copies wouldn't be sold.
1: Uh, okay, yeah, I mean that's fair.
0: <laughs> well, only with the power of of purchasing can you can you defeat the wizard pig? That's right.
1: Unregulated capitalism.
0: <laughs> All right, there you go, kids. We are well on our way. This has oh, I'm loving this episode. <laughs> Let's talk about the the cart racing, by the way. So mm. you are put. You are put into a world. You don't get the option like in Mario Kart where you get like the 50cc, the 100cc, the 150cc. You don't get those options. You just press uh, game start and you're placed into the middle of a world. And then you go racing and stuff. So Shane, we, we got that gist of it. How about, how about you tell us a little bit about the gameplay here?
1: Oh man, all right. So let's see. Uh, it, it is interesting because, I mean, you don't get any direction really, as we just mentioned, but you do just get kind of plopped down in what I could generously refer to as an open world, I guess, at least in terms of games in 1997 and cart racers specifically. So it is kind of a cool approach. I will say that to have just sort of like this hub island world that you can sort of just explore around. And, you know, you kind of go off and you are sort of literally gate kept by the amount of uh, balloons, golden balloons that you end up collecting. And and you get those for finishing first in a race or completing a challenge. Or you can find some of them just floating around on that open world island as well. You need to have a certain number of those to get into new levels. So they kind of unlock much in the same way as, you know, the star requirements for doors in Mario 64. Probably not a coincidence. So you do have a little bit of guidance there, but like finding the the different areas to go to, you do have to do a little bit of exploring on your own, which is aided by the fact that you don't have just a cart. You have three different vehicles to choose from. You have your standard cart racer. You also have an airplane and then you have the last one, which is my least favorite, which is the, uh, the, the o- over, overblown flotation device, and I mm. hate it. Boobies? Yep, that's definitely it. I'd, I'd, I'd love boobies. I'd have a much better opinion of it if it was that. But no, no, just your... I can't even find the word. Why am I blanking on the word? Hovercraft. There we go. I thought you were like being deliberate here. No, I okay. wasn't being deliberate. I was vamping because I couldn't think of the fucking word. Oh. <laughs> Hovercraft. There you go. Yes. Um, so you get three in my experience, at least for what the part of the game that I got through, which I, I arguably was most of it, I guess it was a lot easier to kind of look around the open world area just by using the plane. Cause then you can kind of go almost anywhere. But so I do like that. And here's the thing. I'm just going to get out right in front of this discussion about the gameplay and just say that I like the ideas this game has. Okay. Yeah. Like I like, I like where they were going with it. I don't think the execution is quite there, though, and I think that's going to extend to a lot of things. But okay,
0: I feel you in in some senses. I I just want to start out by saying, like, this game controls great. Mm. I I, get the Mm. right racer.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It is highly dependent on which racer you pick, because there's what, like, what is there, like eight, eight or ten to pick from, I think
0: something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they all have different strengths and weaknesses, which, by the way, are not shown in the game whatsoever. No. So that's cool. So if you don't look and this is actually one of the games I have not gone and looked at the manual. So maybe you can correct me on this. I assume that those different ratings for like handling and speed and all that stuff are those detailed in the manual. Do you know?
0: Oh, I have no fucking idea. I didn't look at it either. Oh,
1: great. Well, we're a fucking podcast about retro games, and we are very well informed. Uh, anyway. Well, yeah, because
0: when I buy it on the shelf at a, at a store, it's not coming with a manual unless I pay like an extra $6,000 or something. So.
1: <laughs> yes, I'm sure there's a huge demand for the Diddy Kong Racing complete in box. It's probably not terribly.
0: I mean, it's more than I'm willing to pay. I'll put it that way. That game's gone up to like $30 now for some reason. I suppose that's fair.
1: Yeah. At any rate, my point is, is that that stuff is not surfaced in game to you whatsoever. So if you pick the we'll say the wrong one, because I guess you could do well with any of them if you got used to it, I suppose. But I made the mistake of choosing the like crocodile looking guy or whatever, and he handles like total ass uh, crunch. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, that was a bad time, and so I went back in as uh, Tip Top, the the turtle, and had a significantly better experience.
0: Oh yeah, Tip Top is the name is appropriate. This is the character you want to race as. Him and Pipsqueak. Like if you if you know how if you know the courses, you know how to get around them. Pipsqueak is really nice too. I think that's how I beat some of the later levels, just because of the way it turns. Some of them like have some really really sharp turns mm-hmm. and if you don't know the courses to a t you are not going to hit them in fact there's there's a lot of things that kind of rely on you understanding the courses in order to get through them if you're not using like a tip top or a pip squeak, which you could argue is is good or bad because it does pay off to memorize these courses and get really good with a specific racer However, if you're going into this and you're just kind of playing it and you're just kind of choosing your characters, because I started out with Conquer. Mm-hmm. And I, I made it pretty far with Conquer, but just got to a point where his his turning and, and, and controls were just too wide. It was too slippery. Yeah. And then I got into tip top. I'm like, oh wow, this is a completely different game. And now I'm having a lot more fun. So I will say, like, when this controls well, it controls buttery smooth. The best controller here in Diddy Kong Racing feels better than anything i think you'll find in mario kart 64 because i think that's the most apt comparison i'm probably going to be comparing mario kart 64 to diddy kong racing quite a bit here it's it's inevitable i mean that's the the easy obvious and most relevant comparison i think you can have but yeah like when you're pipsqueak or tip top i'd rather race with any with either of those two racers than almost anyone in mario kart 64 the rest of the characters it, it depends It's it's very dependent on what my mood is. Is either if it's going really well and I'm winning, I'm happy. If I'm not winning, I'm blaming them. That's how this game turns out in terms of control. But I overall I do feel like control-wise, it's very, very, very solid. Except for well, for the cart. And we can go into that. Like the plane controls are super touchy when you try to go among the y-axis. If you're trying to go up or down. And in, in terms of where you're trying to go on a track until you get the hang of it, like initially, it's super, super touchy. It, you can get used to it, but I kept finding myself going way too far up or way too far down or just not able to control the exact amount I wanted to the hovercraft. The hovercraft is chaos.
1: That thing is just straight awful. I it's beautiful. It's it's so bad. I I, I could not figure out how to properly control that thing the The boss race against the, the octopus when you are forced to use the hovercraft is yeah. was terrible I had to do that multiple times to, to get it because I liked that one I would have you know what I would have liked it because it was more interesting like there were more mechanics involved right because like you not only are you trying to beat him in the race but he's also dropping those spiky things in the way and like So there's more going on, and I probably would have enjoyed it as a challenge, but I just I've said this before about other games that we've talked about. I do not consider poor controls to be a good challenge. Like that's just a failing on the game. And I think that that hovercraft is garbage and controls like garbage. Like, and you can't Uh, tell me that you can't do a good watercraft style game. Because motherfucking wave race exists.
0: It does. And that's a fantastic game. See, that's the thing about the, the, the octopus one, because the first challenge, want the spiky things, that's not so bad. The second one where it uses the bubbles. Mm hmm. Ooh. that takes a while to get used to until you figure out how to get around it. But the thing is, is like in, in that specific instance, in that race, that's where I really learned how to control the hovercraft and what it demanded and how you're supposed to control it. It's not like a cart as you could probably tell. Yeah. But it has its advantages. Like when you can like go wide on a turn and go over some land and and fly over it and then get back on the water and control it pretty well, especially when you're doing you, you, if you pull back or push forward on your joystick, it has an impact on how you land on the water. Uh, The the most difficult thing about the hovercraft is going into a sharp turn because Mm -hmm. when you go into a sharp turn your hovercraft will come to an immediate stop yeah and then slowly build up speed so if you don't have a booster you're kind of screwed but i think because we're i'm talking about some of these weapons like bubbles spikes boosters uh let's let's get into the weapons before we really talk any any further what do you think about the weapons because this is a kart racing game
1: yeah uh they were okay i i will say that i think that is the one big thing or one of the big things that Mario Kart has over this game is that I Mm -hmm. almost across the board prefer the selection of power ups available in Mario Kart than I do in this game to me they were kind of boring the only thing that I thought was interesting that they did differently was the sort of tiered approach to it so yeah if you if you grab like let's say the the missile right At a baseline, that's just a a missile that shoots straight forward wherever you're aiming. And that's it. If you hang on to that power up and you grab the same one again, then it turns into a homing missile, which is like a billion times more effective. And then if you do it a third time, then you get just like an arsenal of 10 of the normal missiles to just fire in like a rapid succession, which is neat, which is kind of like more of a spray and pray approach. I personally just like the homing missile better anyway. Yeah. But I thought it was an it's a novel approach to it to like have that trade off of do I grab a different power up, which, by the way, are indicated like clearly by the color of the balloon that you drive over. So that's also different. It's not randomized like in Mario Kart. You can be pretty explicit about which one you want to pick up, which I think is kind of cool. But you do have that trade off of like, okay, do I want to swap over to this one, given where I'm at at the race right now? Is that going to be more beneficial or do I hang on to the one I have and try to upgrade it so that it'll be more effective? So I did like that, but in a way, it felt like it sacrificed variety because there just weren't as many different like power ups to use. Mm -hmm.
0: See, this is how I felt about the power ups were. I mean, obviously, they're not as good as Mario Kart. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not even going to make that argument. Mario Kart's a lot more fun with what they do. But I do think it has an interesting aspect of resource management where if you upgrade your missile into a homing missile, uh, you got to use it before you hit another balloon, like any balloon. Right. Because the, the, the 10 missiles are great, but that's only really great if you're like in third or fourth place and you got a bunch of razors in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's worthless on a boss fight. Yeah. But if you hit another balloon, like if you hit a green balloon or a blue balloon or a rainbow balloon, you lose that power up, which I don't like. But it does kind of encourage you to use them before you run into another balloon, which is all, all over the track. That being said, the green balloons, which are essentially like your bananas that you power up, the first one's an oil slick, the second one's just a, like a, a spiky ball, and the third one is a bubble. Those to me are all effectively useless against the computer. Mm-hmm. You might as well not even pick them up. The best power up in this game, by far, is your booster. And the reason your booster is the best is because at the at the first level boost you get, you can get a maximum boost if you know what you're doing. So this game has a trick. Where if before you hit a boost on the track or before you use the boost as an item, if you take your if you take your finger off the throttle and you hit your boost while you're not pressing on the gas, you're gonna get a super boost, which will in you know have you catch up a lot better than if you just use a normal boost. Which the game does tell you at one point, like after you complete the first world, but they only tell you to do it on the boosts in the level. They don't tell you that applies to the item, but it also applies to the item. And that's something super useful to know uh, throughout the game, because I'm not saying you have to know it, but it makes the game far easier. And the magnet, the the thing, the thing that sucks about the magnet, you think it's cool, but the only way you can use it is if what the magnet does is it pulls you closer to a racer that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. But the only way to effectively use it is if that racer is like right in your face, yeah, you think it's fun and you think it's cool, but at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of temporary and you'd much rather probably hit that racer with a missile because it would it slows him down a little bit.
1: Yeah. And, and the other thing to kind of further support your argument that, I, that the boosters are probably the best ones anyway, is that while the missiles are cool, especially the homing missile because uh, that's kind of just a fire and forget sort of thing for the most part mm-hmm. I think part of the reason that the boosters are better is because the hitting somebody with a missile or using that magnet is like an extremely temporary thing because the CPU will probably outpace you regardless so like even if you hit them with a missile they're going to be like right up in your grill again shortly anyway so it's like better to just try to get those max boosts as often as possible just to to outrun them rather than trying to yeah. hit them with missiles.
0: Uh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was going about to get into is the, is the rubber banding. Yeah. Which you have to talk about rubber banding when you're talking about a kart racer. It's almost a trademark, uh, a lot to do with Mario Kart, of course, which is notorious for it. I think you have a point in terms of some of the later races, when you start using the missiles, especially when playing in planes, it doesn't feel like your missiles have all that much of an impact. Right. In some instances. Like, I'll, I'll, hit, a, I'll hit an enemy racer. Maybe they'll stop for a moment, but then they will be right back up to speed. But what I found in general is that the rubber banding in Diddy Kong Racing is not as bad as Mario Kart. Which is a good and bad thing for you, by the way. Because if you're getting your asshole stomped, you're going to get your asshole stomped. But if you're doing really well, the game tends to reward you. So it's it's one of those give or takes like everyone complains about rubber banding, but it applies just as much to you as it does the computer in this game. So you really got to be on your racing skills or you're not going to win for better or for worse.
1: Yeah, it's I think it at least to me, I don't know from a technical perspective, but at least playing the game, it felt like it wasn't even so much rubber banding at all and it was more of generally it seemed like the cpu was just capable of going faster than you in yes. most cases oh absolutely yes
0: yes uh and for me it was particularly in the plane i don't know what it was for you but like the plane races mm-hmm. especially like once you got to the silver corn coin races which i'm sure you want to talk about because mm-hmm. we kind of talked about that offline yeah but like particularly when you got to those silver coin races in a, and in the planes, it just felt like the computer could just blow past you whenever it hit a boost. And I like had a boost twice as long as you. It was just able to pull in front of you without doing anything special. And that's a problem that leads into a lot of my difficulty concerns. Yeah. But before we get there, I do think you should talk about those those six coin races or eight coin races, or they're just the silver coin races. Fuck it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, before I launch into that, I did want to touch on this before we keep going. And that is that I, I double checked and yes, the manual does in fact give you the, the, the relative strengths of each of the racers. They, they have acceleration, weight, handling, and top speed. And they tell you each one for each person. And, uh, Yeah, it's it's Pipsy and Tip Top are definitely like probably the two best. Diddy Kong is like right down the middle. He's like your your default vanilla pick. Yeah, he's Mario. Yeah. And actually you you brought up Conker, at least statistically. I can see why you probably had a decent time with him because he's almost the same as Diddy Kong and that he's like almost straight down the middle. Actually, nope. He is literally straight down the middle, so he probably handles exactly the same as Diddy Kong.
0: Okay, yeah, that's probably why I was having an okay time with him. Yeah,
1: but anyway, so the Silver Coin Challenge races this uh, so much fun. All right, so the way that this game is structured, uh, unlike Mario Kart, there there is sort of like a progression to each area, which again, in theory, I like. Like it's 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 a cool idea, right? That you have this pseudo open world kind of Island. You can go to each of these distinct different areas with these gates to different race tracks and you progressively unlock new ones. And once you've gone through each track once and gotten first place in each one, you gain access to a boss race and then you race that boss character, which is one of the four guardians of the Island that were taken over uh by the the intergalactic whiz pig and you have to race them and if you win then your 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 journey is not over yet cuz then as chris mentioned they're like cool you beat me uh now you got to go back and race each one of those places you just did to get to me but now you've got to also collect these eight silver coins scattered throughout the track and also still get first place so have fun Because reasons, and I would not inherently have an issue with this, if not for the fact that I think it's overkill. And this is what I mean by that. And this is what I was telling Chris. I I don't don't think he 100% agrees with me, but this is my feeling on it. And that is, I don't think that the game should have required you to get first place, in addition to getting all eight of the coins. I think that's too much because I very quickly got to a point where I just gave up on these and you do need to complete these in order to progress through the game and ultimately finish them. So you will totally get cock blocked if you're having trouble with this. And I admittedly was having trouble with it uh, because I, I hit a point where I was on one race that I was trying to do. And I, you know, the first time through honestly is just figuring out where the coins are because as yeah. the further in the game you get, they the developers decided to get more and more kind of douchey with where they're placing the coins and that they're like out of the way on purpose or like on the edge of something that if you like turn just just the wrong way, you're going to go off somewhere you don't want to or on like the island levels for some stupid fucking reason. If you hit water, you do this bounce thing that slows you down and it's annoying as hell. Oh, so t- um. but anyway, so. I I I just felt like the task of getting all eight coins and then finishing the race in and of itself, I think was enough. Now, what's my solution to that? I don't know. But all I know is that trying to get first with a bunch of CPU like opponents that are just programmatically faster than you and better at hitting boosts and all this garbage while you're purposefully. Suboptimally racing the track because you're going out of the way to find these coins Is is a pain in the ass It's too much to ask for because like basically the strategy that I figured out that I'd have to do is like First of all figure out where all the coins are so your first run through is a wash But once you've figured that out You have three laps in every race, right? So like your first one or even two laps should be focused on doing the dumb stuff they want you to do to try to get these coins. And as I said, racing sub optimally. Now, ideally, by that point, you will have gotten all eight of your coins, which leaves you with at worst one lap to be able to race appropriately and, you know, take all of the optimal routes, hit all the boosts, et cetera, et cetera, to get yourself into first place. I hit a point with these where I just couldn't do that. Like I would get all the coins and I think I hit second place like four or five times in a row. Do you realize how infuriating that is to get through yes. eight coins, get through three laps and then get beat by like a pubes hair breath by by this like asshole tiger or whatever that he beats me in first place. <laughs> I'm just, at that point. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. Like, and I just I went and tried to race another track or something because it was just it's it's frustrating and i just don't think that it's a good design personally Uh,
0: see this is going to be difficult for me to speak on because i don't necessarily disagree with you but i do and look a lot of the things i'm I'm about to say are going to be like well so what that's kind of a shit reason so bear with me here Sure. this this game I think, like when when we're looking at this, we've discussed this before. Like when you're doing a game and you're trying to meet a deadline, it's a, it's a much different mentality than when you're actually trying to sit down and play a game and, and enjoy it for fun. And again, this leads back to when I was a kid, and there's probably a reason I dropped it. When I didn't have a deadline, I was playing for fun, and this probably had a lot to do with it. But upon revisiting it, there's a realization that I that, that kind of came to. Whereas this is your only game, you have time to look for those coins, plan it and plan a route around those coins in order to to best get that result. And what that also does is it teaches you how to drive your cart better and become a better racer. Now, yeah, that that is a kind of shit reason to do things. But this game's only about five or six hours long if you just blow through every race. Right. And there's not a ton of races. So I can kind of understand why they did what they did. But, you know, when I went through and I like I'll, I'll admit it, like I when I couldn't find a coin, I had to go to GameFAQs and find where that coin was. And if it was still questionable on how I hit it the best way, I would go on YouTube and see how someone else hit that coin placement. And then you have to replicate it. And that's that's part of the fun is you have to learn how to do that and then get in first place. Now, there's some times I had to race time after time after time after time in order to get that. And those were in the plane levels where for some reason I just couldn't catch up every other level. I really didn't have that problem. Once I knew where the coins were and I had planned out the best route that I could uh, because the, 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 one of the things is that the enemies don't at least in my playthrough did not attack me very often in terms of items. Like I didn't get hit by a bunch of missiles. I didn't get hit by a bunch of, you know, just oil slicks or bubbles or anything like that i didn't really encounter any problems in that vein so being able to navigate and then plan out my route and being able to do it quickly it wasn't that massive of a problem and it's supposed to be challenging at that point do i think it's a realistic challenge i i I don't know because there's only really two racers you can do it with and they seem to be designed around those racers unfortunately but i i had a pretty good time with it like. Finding out where those coins were and and figuring out the best route and to come in first. Yeah, is a challenge, but this wasn't supposed to be done in a day or two. This was supposed to be done in a few months so I can understand why that difficulty was ramped up and why it's frustrating because it frustrated me, too. When I'm like on my ninth or 10th time where I f- think I'm doing everything correctly, but like the first place racer is still like an entire like three or four cars ahead of me. And I'm like, how can I figure this out? And it, then it becomes, am, am I using my weapons correctly? Is, is the route really the best route? Uh, am I really taking the best lane? Am I using the boost in the correct place? And eventually I got it. And is it kind of bullshit? D- yeah, but I, I did beat this game in about two or three sittings too. And that's not how this game is meant to be played. So it's it's really difficult for me to sit here and be Like, yeah, this is terrible. But at the same time, I have to recognize that gamers of today have have a different mindset and how this is supposed to be presented. And that light. Yeah, it is. It is total bullshit,
1: I think. So I've been thinking about this and I think what would have made the difference for me and something that I would have preferred. Would have been. A time trial instead, I think if these they have that, though, no, but I mean, for the silver coin challenges. Okay like if, if instead of racing against the CPU racers, it was okay, your your silver coin challenge is you now need to go back to each of these tracks and you need to get all of these coins and you have to do it under a certain time to I, I can't explain why it's just a feeling, but like to me, that would have been less frustrating than getting beaten by the cpu after feeling like i had done everything right and I, I i think it's because maybe at least in my brain i feel like it's more in my control like if i if i fail it was because of something that i did versus just the cpu being a dick bag if that makes sense i don't know i just felt like it, yeah, maybe it, that would it, have it been feels like
0: it was, it feels like it was rigged against you
1: yeah yeah Whereas if yeah. it's a time trial, then that's a very clear thing of like, OK, the devs obviously ran this track. They figured out how long it should take to get through the track like in an optimal manner and they tweaked it so that it's going to be challenging, but not challenging. It's like super challenging, but not impossible. And it's just a very clear cut. You either did this or you didn't. And there's no like possible variance there. And I guess that's the thing I would have enjoyed that as a challenge more because it's it's more about challenging yourself at that point of like oh man like i gotta get better at this than it is to be feel like you it was out of your hands like you had nothing to you had no say in the matter you had no agency in it because the cpu just decided to go faster you know what i mean
0: no yeah yeah this game is a game that's not about having fun in the same vein that mario kart is where it's just kind of just random, wild, crazy fun. Just weapons everywhere, everyone's getting blasted, everything like that. There's, there's really a randomness to Mario Kart that doesn't exist in Diddy Kong racing. Mm. And the boss fights are a great example of that, where it doesn't like the amount of fun that you're having in, in terms of picking up items or going through the course, just trying to do the best you can is like largely secondary. To the game's demand that you master what it wants you to do. Right. You are going to play this game in a very specific way, in a very specific manner, if you want to defeat these bosses. And that's not like the final boss is the, the perfect example of that. Because not only do you have to hit the boosts, every single boost on that map against pig but you also have to master the non-acceleration boost. And then you have to do something the game doesn't even tell you directly in the game, which is you have to pull back on the joystick so you get more airtime, so your boost lasts longer in order to maintain yourself being ahead of him. And then you have to get lucky in hopes that when he's behind you, he kicks you forward instead of kicking you off the road. So there's there's a lot of like you have to memorize these maps. It's demanding that you spend time with it and you master it as opposed to. Just playing it like a Mario Kart that there is a stark difference in, but it doesn't present itself that way, which is much to this game's detriment. It presents itself as Mario Kart, yeah, it is not Mario Kart
1: yeah, and so i, I guess i'm I'm not sure how much more there is to talk about as far as the gameplay. I, I think the only other thing that maybe I don't know if you want to touch on briefly is some of the challenge levels because they're they're kind of their own thing.
0: I didn't pay attention to them. I played the first one. I didn't like it. And the, the fact that you have to go through level and find a key. I don't like I was I, I was like, no, I'm already looking for these stupid fucking coins. I don't care about no fucking key. Leave me alone.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so it's funny yeah. that you say that because I did the same thing where I, I, I got I, <laughs> I got the first key and I tried out the challenge and I was like, oh, this sucks. And I just went back to playing the rest of the game. The first one is the worst one too. Uh, well, to be honest, I wouldn't know. Cause I didn't bother to try out the yeah. other ones. I mean, I read about them, but I mean, so there's what, one, two, three, there's four, right? There's one for each yeah. zone. There's four challenge levels. Like Chris said, you have to find a key that's hidden somewhere in one of the, the tracks for that level in order to open it. And then once you open it, you can do the, the challenge thing. And like the first one for fire mountain in the like dino domain or whatever, Is you and I think three, two or three other CPUs, all in airplanes, and it's just sort of like a circular arena inside of like a volcano, and you're supposed to swoop down and grab dinosaur eggs in this nest in the middle, bring them back to your area, drop them, and then let them and let them hatch. And the first like racer to hatch three baby dinosaurs is the winner, but it's just like such a huge pain in the ass because the it's really tough to be that precise with the plane to swoop down and like clip into this relatively small sprite of an egg and then fly it back up drop it into your nest and then for a brief period of time the egg indicator on your like your little portrait on the screen on the on the heads-up display will flash And that means that that egg is vulnerable to being stolen by the other players in the challenge. So they could just swoop down to your nest, steal your egg and bring it to theirs. And you're supposed to defend your nest with power ups that are available in the level with like missiles and shit. But as we've kind of mentioned before, like those are no pun intended, pretty hit or miss. And it's even harder to do with the plane because you're not just aiming on you know just a a level playing field now you're you know having to aim in three-dimensional space and if you don't have a homing missile then more often than not you're just going to waste your shot and miss them entirely so it just everything about it felt bad like i i tried it like two or three times i couldn't even get one egg to hatch and i was just like all right this is this is terrible and i never went back to it
0: yeah it's bad this is bad. And then there's the trophy races, too, where the difficulty is, like, raised higher. All the computer drivers are all faster than you, and you just kind of have to win on control instead of speed, and I, mm. I don't know. But the thing is, is that, like, the computer racers don't have a set order like they do in Mario Kart, so there's a chance that you can win just by finishing second every time, which is kind of cool. <laughs> the extra stuff I didn't care much for. The only thing, look, and, and really quickly before we move on to presentation, the, the thing I really didn't care that much The thing I really didn't care the most for is that you have to drive around the island and find these balloons that are just placed there Mm -hmm. to, to help you get more balloons towards your overall total. And you have to find I think you have to find all three or at least all but one of those balloons in order to make it into the final level. And some of them are hidden pretty well. And yeah, that's that's kind of shit because it's not fun driving around that hub world. It's just not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And because you can only reach certain areas by having certain vehicles. The hub world, everyone, I won't say everyone, but like one of the things I've heard about this game is the hub world's cool. No, the hub world really holds Diddy Kong racing back. Hmm. It does. I don't like it. I, I don't like the hub world. It, it would have been easier if you could just have like a hub that you could drive to the locations from there. But you know what? It was innovative at the time. I can understand why people liked it, but I don't. Uh, I don't today. I think it's hard to get around. I think it's difficult. I think it's a pain in the ass. I don't like it.
1: I mean, I guess it's fair. I mean, if you're really looking at it. Objectively, it probably would have just been easier to just do that in a menu, right? Just like Mario Kart rather than having this yeah. hub world, which honestly, for the most part, is kind of superfluous, like you could have just been like, all right, I pick this world and this track. Here we go. And not have to physically yeah. drive to it. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, again, like you said, it was at the time it was novel and there is, I don't know, like I I don't disagree with you. I just think that there is a there's a certain level of charm to it, I guess, which I do appreciate. I think the thing that for me that holds it back is is less the hub world itself and more of fucking Taj. And like the the necessity to run your ass directly into him in order to change your vehicle. Like why? And he always wants to run around. Yeah, he wants to keep moving. Like, why is that a good decision? Who fucking okayed that that you had to drive your car into Taj in order for him to be like, oh, you want to change your car? Like, why is that not just a menu or even a button? Why is it not just a quick swap button?
0: Because they wanted to be cute. It was, they were still figuring things out. This was early kart racing. They didn't know what they were doing yet. Sure. But yeah, it's an overall, it's a bad decision. I don't like it at all. Don't care for it. I guess that's gonna, I think that's all we have to say about gameplay though. So I do think it's time to move on to the visual presentation Mm. of what Diddy Kong Racing has to offer. I'm going to kick this one off and just say it's not. And I put this from a technical standpoint, it's not bad. The graphics look fine for an N64 game in 1997. In fact, they look really good when you think about the kind of graphical design that they accomplished and the way the tracks look. And uh, by the way, gameplay wise, I think the tracks are very well designed. We didn't talk about I'd love the tracks. Yeah, but the man. way the tracks look, the way the, the environments look, they look fine. There's nothing wrong with it for a, for a 1997 game. They're fantastic. What I don't like is the graphical design, because you can look at a Mario game and I can look at a Mario game and I can tell that like Mario Kart is is timeless. And this was a big criticism back for Nintendo during this time was, oh, it's the Kitty console. And you kind of look back at that now and you kind of cringe because you look at the Mario games and they're timeless. They're for everybody. They're what they're what Disney was trying to accomplish and largely has Mm -hmm. like that timeless kind of aesthetic. Diddy Kong Racing looks like it's for toddlers. There's no way to beat around this. It looks like I would only play this if I was five or six years old. The fact, I was still playing this when I was 11. Well, maybe 11 might work. But this game is it looks like it was designed for a very, 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 very young audience. And I, I can't shake it because it doesn't play like a game that should be for a young audience. But it, it's, it's not timeless. Now, it doesn't capture me the same way that a Mario would. And this does really add ammunition to the argument that Nintendo was for kitty systems. Because if I'm looking at this game as 17, if I'm a 17 year old in 1997, I'd be like, there's no fucking way I'd play this game. (laughs) And in fact, I still feel weird playing this game. It's like playing hello kitty cruisers with less personality. That's interesting
1: because I don't, I I kind of agree with you. And I think it's largely centered around. I want to say that mostly the character models. I think that's the big thing because yeah I agree yeah because a a lot of the characters the way that they're presented is is very kind of cutesy and so I could see that I I think like the level designs and the environments are fine I would actually argue that I I actually kind of prefer this game in a lot of instances over Mario Kart 64 because I always felt that Mario Kart 64 just felt really rough (laughs) I'm gonna be honest like uh, the the visual rep- the like the visual presentation of Mario Kart 64 to me even even back then always felt just i don't know weirdly kind of unpolished for nintendo and that might just be like a personal thing i don't know but i think this game benefits a lot from the jungle setting that it has because it allows for a very bright color palette which as we've talked about on multiple occasions that sort of bright, you know, sort of pseudo stylized approach is going to age better than something that's trying to look more realistic. Not that I'm saying Mario Kart 64 is trying for gritty realism or anything, but if we're talking about this game in particular, I actually don't think it looks too bad. I will say that I I don't like a lot of the the character models, though. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, the character models turn me way off. They're technically they're
0: sound. Sure, they look really good uh, because of uh, full 3D polygonal models. Whereas, like Mario Kart 64, they use sprites with 3D backgrounds and 3D environments. Yeah, so everything f- flows much better. There's there's no slowdown. Everything like it moves at a buttery smooth pace all the time. I found so in, in terms of that presentation, it's great. But it's like it's like Final Fantasy IX for me. Like I know I'm looking at a really good looking game. But the way the game is designed really turns me the fuck off. Yeah, I guess that's fair. If that makes
1: sense. Also, I think you just nailed why I thought that Mario Kart 64 always felt really jank to me. And I think it's because of that. I think it's because the carts were still sprites. Yeah, it might be it. I think that's what threw me off because like, I mean, actually, a lot of the things were still sprites, like the trees and shit. But like the fact that an era where they, you know, opened up on the N64 with fucking Mario 64, where they're like, "Look at this fucking polygonal shit!" and isn't that amazing? And then they give you the next iteration of Mario Kart, and they're like, "Well, JK, we kind of half-assed it, and here are a bunch of sprite racers." Which I'm sure that there's a technical reason for that, but then again, you you do you do have Diddy Kong that has fully polygonal racers. So I don't know, but I I think that might actually be a big reason why I've always felt that way.
0: Well, if you actually look into some of the development notes, the the reason they couldn't make it move as fast as Mario Kart or make it feel as fast as Mario Kart 64, mm-hmm. or at least in their, in their minds, was because they went for the full 3D models. So they had to make compromises because that was the design choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I could so, see that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need as much processing power to move as fast as Mario Kart 64 when you're not rending, rendering as many polygons. Sure. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. it I just... Yeah. Mario Kart 64 always felt really odd to me. I know a lot of people really love that one. I'm not one of them, but that one was actually, well, neither am I. We, like I had mentioned earlier, I think my friends and I had played it maybe a handful of times, but it was nowhere near as popular with myself or my friend group as either the first one, Super Mario Kart, or even later iterations Uh, Mario Kart 64 always felt like a weird outlier to me, but that's probably just anecdotal.
0: Yeah, it did for the longest time. I look back at Mario Kart 64. This has turned to Mario Kart 64 episode, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) But like I I look at Mario Kart, like I don't hate it. I don't hate on it at all. It's just that one I've a year or two after it came out, I just I was like ready for the next one. I was playing the original Mario Kart again. Yeah, I, I know that's different than what a lot of other people think. And I fully recognize that. Trust me. But I don't know, for me, it, it, it didn't click for like I can pl- go back and play it now easier than the original Mario Kart by far, like by far today. I think it's better. But like for a while there, I did not. Yeah. And th- I'll go how I feel about Mario S- Kart 64 compared to this game probably at the end. But I, I think that kind of wraps it up for the graphics. I think it's time to move on to what we thought about the the audio.
1: Sure. Well, I, I can go ahead and kick this one off since you did the last one. Yeah, go for it. So overall, I, I enjoyed the soundtrack. I will say that it's definitely got that, that, you know, Donkey Kong country kind of vibe. I dig it. There wasn't anything that I came across that felt terribly egregious or anything. Um, I think they did a pretty solid job with that. I think the only thing that really stuck out to me from like a sound design standpoint was the, the racers callouts. Like when you would like race by them or, or they'd get hit or whatever. They're terrible. They're really annoying. And so I, I supremely dislike those, but outside of that, I I thought everything else was, was pretty solid.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I thought it was super generic. Really? Okay. I thought the music was super generic. I, I agree with you that the, the sounds that you make when you pass up the drivers are super annoying. Especially the bosses, like the bosses, are some of the most annoying sounds in this game. Whenever you even get close to them, they they grunt, mm-hmm. and I cannot stand that. It's awful. The weapons sound somewhat annoying. The vehicles sound fine, but let I me mean, go back to the music really quick. It's not that it's bad music; it just sounds like royalty-free tracks <laughs> that they just grabbed and slapped into the game. Like it's not bad, but it's just like especially the winter level where it sounds like they've just kind of riffing on uh, winter wonderland. Mm. And it's just like, I, I don't like this. It's it, I can recognize there's far worse, but I do recognize that the composer who I think is David Weiss, David Weiss. He's done a lot better. This, this, I don't want to say it mail. He mailed this in because I don't compose music. I have no idea how much effort went into this. Sure. But it just feels really bland and generic. And like something you would find in any sort of B tier game hired by like an up and coming, you know, audio composer. I was not impressed. Hmm. I thought it was too cheery. I thought, again, it, I, maybe the graphical presentation kind of influenced me, but it, it sounded like something you'd find in a kid on a kid show on like Nick's Nick Jr. or something like this. It just is kept up with the kid, the really kiddie aesthetic. And it, I, I couldn't shake it like it was like this is not good music Hmm. it doesn't have the originality i thought again of mario kart 64 even a crash team racing or or really any racing game of the time it was just too too bubbly too positive too happy and i am an edgelord shane (laughs) or at least i was in 1997 true and that that resonated with me and it it didn't work
1: huh that's okay that's an interesting take like i like I said, I, I actually enjoyed it. Like I, I thought the, I mean, yes, it is very, very upbeat, very bubbly. But like I thought that fit kind of what they were going for. I mean, in the day, yes, like whether you like it or not, the game does have a little bit more of a cartoony, kid-friendly kind of aesthetic going on, and I think it does match that. So if you don't like that, then yeah, you're not gonna like a lot of the music. It didn't really bother me. I, I will say, and I think you probably <laughs> will probably. Totally disagree with me on this too, based on what you just said. But one of my favorites is actually Walrus Cove, which is from the ice levels there. It's kind of like a, the the main sort of hook of the song is kind of like a riff on a Christmas song. And I, I actually I kind of like it. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. See, I actually kind of <laughs> dug that one. I could also be biased because there's a, a, a collection of like in, in full disclosure, there's a collection of, like, Nintendo, like, winter-themed, like, compilations that I've come across, like, on YouTube and stuff in past years that I play around the house during Christmas time because I'm obviously a fucking nerd, and Walrus Cove is one of the songs that usually shows up on a lot of those compilations, so I could personally be a little biased towards it, I don't know, Yeah. but I actually, I didn't mind it, I, I thought that they were good, although it's funny that you <laughs> you brought up the part about it sounding like just fucking, like, royalty free tracks that you could rip off the internet because i kind of see that actually now that you mention it like some of the some of the more like tropical themes for like the central area or like the first zone or so actually kind of sounds like like b-sides for, like b-side instrumentals for like a jimmy buffett album or something
0: something like that yeah it just feels <laughs> uninspired and you know what you said? you played around your house during christmas that's perfect for this soundtrack it's just like background music that you have no idea was from yeah i mean sure like, oh that sounds good but that's from i was like oh diddy kong racing oh okay i could play that in an elevator that's <laughs> that's diddy kong racing i mean that's it, this music. That's a soundtrack to,
1: to be fair i did not actually know that that walrus cove track was from diddy kong racing until i exactly. played this game like a couple exactly. days ago and like i was sitting there on the couch playing it and both my wife and i were like oh shit it's that song from those <laughs> compilations we listen to maybe i just disproved my own point i don't know <laughs> what i'm saying is uh, it's fine
0: the so- the music is fine it's fine it's just generic trash <laughs> it's not it's not bad but uh, it's not good
1: it's middle of the road which is kind of how i feel about this game in general <laughs> Ooh! oh
0: I think that's a good segue into whether or not this game holds up today.
1: Oh, ha. I, I didn't even mean that. But here we go. Because
0: we don't have any miscellaneous facts. We, no, we, we don't. probably should. But we don't. We don't. That's I fine. think we mentioned anything that we would have said anyway. You want me to kick this off? You got this one, Shane.
1: Uh, You know what? Sure. Go ahead. OK. Ooh.
0: You know, after all my bitching, I think the the answer that you'd think I'd be saying right now would be no. hmm. And I almost do want to say no. But then I had to sit down. It's something I said in this episode earlier, which is something I've been thinking about prior to recording this, is this game isn't meant to really be beat in two or three days the, the way that I beat it. This game is meant to be sat down with. It, it requires some dedication and learning these tracks and learning these racers and what you're supposed to do. And I think there is a place for that. Yes, it has some unorthodox ways of getting through the stages. And yes, I hate getting through the hub world. But what I think is that you have a really good kart racer here. I'd still rather play Mario Kart 64 over Kong Racing for what it's worth. Uh, So there's any sort of spoiler if we ever do a Mario Kart 64 episode on whether I think that game holds up. But I honestly think this game does hold up. I mean, it controls well enough. It looks good enough. There's a nostalgia factor It's bright and colorful, even if it feels super generic. But I I understand where that is. But even in a modern sense, this is just a game that controls well, and it does demand your time. And if you're willing to put time into this, there there's a lot of rewards to be found. Defeating the bosses is rewarding. Beating the races are rewarding. And the reason it's rewarding is because it takes some work. It takes some mastery of these courses, how to hit the boosts, what weapons to use and when, when your opponents might be vulnerable, what the best racer is for each track. That's something that Diddy Kong Racing asks of you. And if you're willing to put if you're willing to answer that, you're going to find a good kart racing game. So, I mean, fundamentally, it's not flawed. So I'm going to have to say it does hold up today even though I, I recognize it's more on the lower spectrum for me, but I, I can't say it doesn't. It's, it's a solid racer overall. Get some friends together, race on some of the actually really well-designed tracks and have a good time.
1: All right, well, I uh, believe that it is, in fact, fundamentally flawed. Ooh. I, I would have a really hard time recommending this now, especially now, not that there's exactly like a huge fucking pantheon of kart racers to choose from or anything because for whatever reason probably just because as we said before mario kart kind of stomped out most competition with just how good it has been consistently absolutely but i still think there are better options i do think this game has some serious flaws and like the fact that we both just offhandedly dismissed all of the challenge levels as being garbage, I think is a big thing where you have a whole section of the game while not necessarily huge. But if you're talking about a game that only lasts like five or six hours, having all four of your challenge stages, just be kind of like somewhere between meh and trash, kind of a big deal. And then the other part of it is I just personally, I don't like feeling cock blocked by the game. And not like, you know, my, my own skill. And that goes back to those, those coin challenges we were talking about, where I think if it was centered more around trying to hit a very distinct goal, like a time trial time and collecting the coins, I would have been fine with that. But with how the, the CPU seems to be implemented in this game for for the computer race and how they just straight up will be faster than you, they will hit all the boosts and all of that it it just gets really frustrating and even if it is something that's supposed to be short or well not necessarily short but it's a a small a relatively small amount of content that you're being asked to to master I feel like that's still a hard ask in this day and age when there are arguably more accessible games out there like if, if you were going to sit down and ask me like, Hey, I, I want to play a cart racer. What should I play right now in, in 2023, when, when this episode is coming out, I would tell you, uh, well, Mario Kart eight deluxe or Sonic team racing. Th- those would be the two I would give you right off the top of my head. Cause those are both yeah. fantastic fucking games. And in my mind, they're kind of like right at the same level. I know Sonic Team Racing doesn't enter the conversation as much as I think it should,
0: but... I don't think Sonic Team Racing... I think you're thinking of uh, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Transformed.
1: Oh, maybe that's it. Have I been saying the wrong game this whole time?
0: I think we may have. Yeah, Sonic Team Racing is is a different game.
1: Which might also
0: be good, I just haven't played it.
1: Okay, that's fair. For some reason, that was in my head. But yes, the All-Stars Racing Transformed. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic game. Yeah, that one. Super, super game. So, like, that and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe would be the things I would recommend. I, I wouldn't go back to this. I'm not saying that it's an inherently bad game. I just think that the approach that they took with the relatively small amount of content that it offers you, it's it's kind of like almost that NES hard approach again, which I never really liked in the first place, because to me, that's just artificial difficulty for the sake of trying to lengthen what is ultimately a, a lack of content. And, you know, i Give them whatever, because obviously they were under a crunch to get this thing out for the holidays, blah blah blah, but at the end of the day, this is the product that we got, and it honestly, it is kind of rough to go back to if you're gonna do anything outside of just doing sort of like just the 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 baseline races like those I enjoyed those were fun, but once you start getting further into it and having to do the coin challenges and the boss races and if you even dare to go into the challenge levels themselves like it's just. They're just not that fun. So I it's got to be kind of a no for me, actually.
0: Okay, rare disagreement.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. So I think there you have it. We are split on Diddy Kong Racing. What do you think? If you want to tell us, and I don't think we say this enough, but uh, reach out to us on social media or leave it in our YouTube comments and let us know if you think Diddy Kong Racing holds up today because this one's split. So I'd be curious to think what the community thinks and if Diddy Kong Racing is a game that you know, other people should go back to. Yeah. Be curious.
1: Yeah, definitely. Speaking of getting in touch with us, uh, if you would like to do that, we do make it simple for you. All you have to do is head on over to linktree slash retro hangover. That's L I N K T R dot E E slash retro hangover and choose the button that suits you best, whether that is our social media accounts or perhaps the YouTube channel as uh, Chris mentioned, or maybe you want to jump into our public discord, which we highly recommend because we have a fantastic community in there with a whole bunch of fun stuff going on all the time. So lots of good discussions about games and sometimes not even games. We've got channels just for your food or, you know, sports or posting pictures of your cute pets like we, we got it all. So if you're not already in there, well, you're missing out. And so you should be. And then uh, we also do have the Twitch channel. Chris, what what do we what do we do over there?
0: Well, if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you can watch us play video games when we're on Twitch. Ah. Yeah. So uh, we usually do this at Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. In fact, that's when we are scheduled to do it. But every once in a while, we like to just hop on and play a game, maybe Doom without commentary. Mm. And yeah, that it what that is something you might find if you had to twitch.tv slash retro hangover but uh it's a, it's a good time we have great conversations strange conversations we discuss what kind of foods we'd like to eat and other various things so if you swing by there you'll be sure to have a good time so once again that's twitch.tv slash retro hangover we hope to see you there
1: all right and uh last but certainly not least if you'd like to support the show beyond simply adding to our, our download numbers, which we do appreciate by the way, you can also check out our Patreon as well as our merch store. Uh, if you'd like to throw a few ducats our way for either some sweet ass t-shirts or maybe additional content. And at least at the at the time of this episode is, is coming out to everyone's ear holes. I don't know when you're coming to this. It might be way later. Maybe you're listening to this in the far flung future in between fighting off alien hordes. I don't know, but at least when this comes out, we have a very special thing going on on our Patreon right now, which is the King of Games 1992, the tournament (laughs) to end all tournaments, at least for that year. Uh, And we have included something like 10 other podcasts in on it. It's a big collaboration where we take, a whole bunch of popular games from the year 1992, and pit them against each other in a very scientific bracketed tournament to ultimately determine the one game to rule them all. And so, if you want to hear that content before anybody else, you can go and join our Patreon for as little as one dollar a month, and get access to all of that sweet, sweet content. So, uh, get get in on it now. It's good stuff. Get
0: in. You're missing out. Or get out. That's right. The king of games. Tons of creators. We had a great time. So will you.
1: Absolutely. But with all of that shilling out of the way, until next time.
0: Play with your raw and diddled Kong joysticks.
1: Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee, and Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhp bones. That's bitly dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.